This is On and Off Your Mat podcast, episode 121, Nervous System 101. Did you know the nervous system is basically controlling everything that happens in your body? And although it happens way too quickly to do anything about it in that second, you can still greatly influence your state and your general nervous system functioning over time. If you feel like you've been surviving, but you want to move towards thriving in your life, today's episode is going to be a great tool for you. For this episode, I don't have a guest. I'm taking the spotlight again. If you've missed my latest solo episode, that was number 117, called Understanding Your Stress, I would suggest that you start with that one before you dive into today's episode. For my other solo episodes, you can check out the show notes for a list. Since stress is such a big topic and affects so many people, I wanted to do a series. It's also a very big part of my yoga teachings already, something I've been focusing on for a long time and I'm passionate about, so I have a lot to say on the subject. It's also at the core of my coaching, which by the way, I have one spot open right now, so if you'd like to look into all of this one-on-one, you'll find a link in the show notes to set up a free call with me. I would really love to read your takeaways on today's episode. So as you listen, take a screenshot and share one of your takeaways on Instagram, tagging at on and off your math podcast. I will, of course, reshare you, but the idea is that everybody can read your takeaways and we can go deeper into the content of each episode, grow and learn together as a community. All right, let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you for joining me today. I'm glad you're willing to look under the hood of your experience and get a little nerdy with me. Before we dive into the detail of our nervous system, let's take a quick overview of what it is. So the nervous system is the surveiller of your body. It detects threats, it recognizes danger, and it processes information to then send a message to take action. It's doing whatever it needs to do to keep you safe and alive. Once it has detected a threat and processed the information, it activates the vagus nerve to react, which is your main parasympathetic nerve. Parasympathetic being the rest and digest side of your nervous system, but we'll come back to all that. That information about the threat comes from your senses. That might be someone else's facial expression, their tone of voice, their body movements. It might be in your environment, noises, lights, other movements. And it might be within yourself, like body sensation, your intuition, or energy you're able to pick up around you. All of this sends information to your brain for processing. And that processing happens according to your understanding and interpretation of danger and safety in that moment. So what you think is dangerous and scary, or what you think is safe, is the baseline against the processing of the information. So it will send information back to your body on how to react according to that. If you haven't listened to our episode on stress, we go over the importance of our perception and our thoughts when it comes to a stressful situation and how the body will react. It's exactly the same process here, so I'm not going to go over this whole thing again, but for now, just as a reminder, I'll say this. Our perception of the situation has more weight than the facts of the situation. So whether you think it's dangerous matters more than if it actually is dangerous. And that might make sense to you. The words we use to describe what's going on, the meaning we give to what's going on, and the beliefs it reinforces about ourselves and the world around us is a big part of what fuels the nervous system response. And that's what I mean when I say it reacts according to your understanding and interpretation of danger and safety. 
So for more on that, go back to episode 117, Understanding Your Stress. Now that we have glazed over what is your nervous system, you might be asking yourself like, okay, but why do I really need to know about this? I'm not, you know, a biology major. Well, it is my belief that awareness and understanding allows us to see what is happening and then to take the right next action to support our system in our body. It's helping us to shift into a different state if needed, or we can know how to solidify where we are. We can even change the baseline of where we tend to go. And I think that when you understand your own physiology, you have a lot more empowerment in your wellness and in your well-being because you know you're able to influence how you feel. You never feel completely stuck or helpless. You have tools and that gives you agency. And since the nervous system plays a role in nearly every aspect of our health and well-being, I mean, it regulates your whole body, your emotions, your organs, your muscles, your breath, your hormones, your glands, your digestion, reproduction, etc. Starting to work with the nervous system can have a wide range of desirable consequences for you. You can improve on your sleep, you can improve on your libido, on your balance, on your cardiovascular health, on your weight, and so on. So I think that learning about the nervous system not only helps us have or feel that we have some control in our life, some agency, that we're not a victim of our circumstances, but it also gives us another window to peek through when there's something going on that's not quite right with our body. All right, let's dive a little deeper, shall we? Ready to get nerdy? Your nervous system is made of all the nerves and the nerve cells of your body. I mean billions of nerve cells, which are called neuron. The neuron pass the information back and forth. Structurally, your nervous system is divided in two parts. Central nervous system, which we call CNS, which is the brain in the spinal cord. And then peripheral nervous system, or PNS, which is the network that spreads across the body. Think of it as highways like two-way highways that connect the body and the brain, so the information can go from the body to the brain and from the brain to the body. Let's look at an example. Let's say you touch something hot. Your sensory neurons in your hands are going to send a message to the brain that the surface is hot. Then the brain will process the information and has a reference point that hot on skin can create a burn, and a burn is painful, and pain is to be avoided for survival. So the brain will send a message through the motor neuron of the hand to move off that hot thing. So in this example, the sensory input is through the skin. Then the brain processes the information according to your understanding of the danger of heat. And then we go to your motor response of the hand. So it starts with the body, goes to the brain, and goes back to the body. Yeah? Your peripheral nerves, there's 42 pairs of those. 12 start in the brain. We call those cranial nerves. One example is the vagus nerve, which I mentioned quickly earlier. And then the 31 other pairs start on the spinal column. So we've talked about your central nervous system and your peripheral nervous system. Between the two, we have sensory and motor nerves that go back and forth. Your central nervous system is brain and spinal column. Your peripheral nervous system redivides again into two, which we call somatic meaning the voluntary movement that you do with mostly your skeletal muscular system, 
and autonomic, which is the non-voluntary, the automatic things that happen. Your heart is beating, your lungs are breathing, and your digestion is digesting. Thank God we don't have to think about all those things. They happen on their own. Then in the autonomic part, it redivides into two. You can have a sympathetic response, which is your fight or flight, or your mobilization response, or a parasympathetic response, aka your rest and digest, or your general relax response. So to recap, and if you're a visual, you can go in the show notes, I put an image. Nervous system splits into two, CNS, PNS. PNS splits into two, somatic and autonomic. Autonomic splits into two, parasympathetic and sympathetic. What we're interested in today is the autonomic branch with the sympathetic and parasympathetic activation. And this is how it's classically presented, but we're going to go a little further in a moment. Before I add on, just as a reminder, if you're newer to your nervous system, your sympathetic response or your fight or flight is what is usually associated with stress. So most of the symptoms I talked about in episode 117 are of sympathetic response. It's the part of your nervous system that gets you activated, ready to do something to protect yourself. Your adrenaline will go up, your norepinephrine will go up, your cortisol would go up, your heart rate, your blood pressure, your muscular tension, and in turn, your digestion will slow down, other hormones like your thyroid and your reproductive hormones were also going to slow down. Your parasympathetic response is what we use to describe as your rest and digest heal and conserve energy part of your nervous system. But now, according to polyvagal theory, the parasympathetic response kind of redivides into two more branches to create three response. So we have our sympathetic response, stays the same, and then in the sympathetic side, we now have what we call ventral vagal and dorsal vagal. So we have three possible states ventral vagal response, which is your connect and socially engage response. Sympathetic activation is number two, your fight or flight. And the last one is your dorsal vagal response, which we call your shutdown response. And we are still resting and digesting and healing in our ventral vagal response, as we used to describe it in the parasympathetic response. But the energy conservation comes more into the dorsal vagal or shutdown response as a type of rest and protection for our system. As I said, this comes from polyvagal theory, the work of Stephen Porges, PhD. Poly means many and vagal refers to the vagus nerve. I know, again, aren't you curious about this nerve? <laughs> Before we used to think that the vagus nerve was a single nerve and it was responsible for your parasympathetic response. With polyvagal studies, we now say that there are many vagus nerves, precisely a ventral one, venter in Latin means belly, so one that is in the front of the belly, and a dorsal one, dorsum for back. And there's those two parts that run, one in the front, one in the back of the body. The one in the front is more responsible for your social, safe, and engaged response, and the one in the back is more responsible for your shutdown and collapse response. Vagus is a Latin word as well, and that translates to the wonder. It's a nerve that wanders from your brain stem all the way down to your colon. It's the longest nerve in the body. It innervates your mouth, your face, your throat, your whole digestive system, your thorax, including your lungs and your heart, 
your belly, including the organs, and all the way down to the pelvic floor muscle. It has a lot of functions, but what we are focused on today is its role in parasympathetic activation. In polyvagal theory, we look at those three states organized in a ladder with ventral vagal at the top of the ladder. So ventral vagal is that state, as we said, where we're socially able to engage. We can connect, we can relate to other people. Your system is functioning optimally. You can breathe fully, your heart rate is low, you have full access to your cognition. You are kind of in the flow. You're feeling relaxed, open-hearted, curious. You're willing to be intimate. I mean, you have libido. And you're also feeling safe and interdependent in your relationship. You feel capable. You're able to digest physically, even emotionally, what happens in your life. And in that state, you're able to feel empathy. You have access to joy, to playfulness, to love. You're present with yourself and with others. You're really in the now. You feel safe and secure and just good and happy. You'll have thoughts that will resemble, I'm okay, things are good, the world is welcoming, and I feel supported. One way that we can regulate our nervous system is by co-regulating ourselves as we connect with someone else that we view and interpret as being safe for us. Another way is by doing things that helps us feel connected with ourselves or with others, that helps us feel playful and joyful, for example. So all of those state, anything that brings you there will support your vagal response. We'll talk about more regulation in details in a further episode. If we go down a step on that ladder, we get into our sympathetic activation. I'll put an image of that ladder for you visual peoples in the show notes as well. So as we talk about our sympathetic response before, we talked about it as your fight or flight, your stress response, right? But now we're adding that we're activated, we're mobilized, we're ready literally to get up and run or to get up and fight. We're ready to take action to get rid of whatever the threat might be. On top of our physical symptoms, we feel kind of chaotic, a little frenzied, a little anxious, or like things are out of control or everything feels like it's a little too much. We might be feeling confused, overwhelmed, and have emotions like anger, fear, worry, or just feeling like irritation, agitation, or like we want to be avoidant or confrontational. We'll have thoughts that are similar to, I'm crazy, or this is crazy, this is toxic, the world is an unfriendly place, or this is scary, this is unfair, this kind of things. To move out of our sympathetic response, we can either go up into ventral, by meeting the agitated energy and then taking action to feel more social, more connected, more safe, more engaged. Or we can move down the ladder one rod as we get into our dorsal shutdown response. That dorsal shutdown response is your playing possum response. Instead of mobilization, like in your sympathetic response, it's a place of immobilization. And that can show up two ways. It could be a state of collapse, where you have no agency, you feel lethargic, or it could be a state of freeze, where you are so petrified that you're unable to mobilize, you're unable to move and to take action. Things might feel fuzzy for you. You might have trouble focusing. 
You might feel numb, disconnected, almost sedated. You can also feel kind of invisible, really lonely, or like backed up against the wall or floating away, lacking motivation. And the emotions you'll have access to in this state are more of the shame, hopelessness, and helplessness. You'll have thoughts like, I'm unlovable. The world is cold and empty. I'm lost. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Those are all dorsal response things. And to move out of dorsal, we need to go really, really gently because we need to activate towards a sympathetic response before we can go back into ventral. We have to go up the ladder the same way we came down. So these are the three different states that we have and we live in ventral, sympathetic, and dorsal. Our autonomic nervous system adjusts automatically between those three states to control your internal environment by responding to cues from your internal and external environment that signal either safety or danger. We talked about this already, but here's another reminder. If the integration phase of the sensory input In that phase, if you create the meaning that what is happening is dangerous, it doesn't matter if in fact it's dangerous. Your system will react to what it thinks is danger. So that might explain that sometimes you're reacting and you're like, why am I reacting this way? Deep down, you believe that there was danger here, even if consciously you didn't quite grasp that in the moment because it happens really fast. Every response is about safety and survival. But it all happens, as I'm saying, not only fast, but below your level of consciousness. Since it's part of our autonomic, that means that it's happening automatically and we can't choose our state. But, you know, whether you're in ventral, sympathetic, or dorsal, the good news is even though you can choose that state, you can influence it. You can respond to it. When you're in ventral vagal and you're feeling safe and social, engaged and connect, Your body is still set up to pick up red flags. So it continues to scan around to take in cues of possible danger. Other people's faces in this case is the number one place your nervous system is going to take its cues. It's going to look at eyes and smile and tone of voice to determine your safety. And the first thing you'll do as a human, I think this is so fascinating, is when you feel a sign of danger, you're going to try to connect socially first. So if you pick up a cue that another person you're talking with is angry, you're going to try to engage with them in a loving way to see if you can soothe that anger and stay safe. Within milliseconds, your system knows if that's going to work or if that's going to fail. And if you can't engage socially to stay safe, then we're going to shift into a sympathetic activation. First, we're going to try to flee. We're going to try to leave. That might look like taking a step back or leaving the room. We'll fear or we'll feel fear, worry, anxiety, even hypervigilance. If that doesn't work, meaning you left the room and you came back and the person is still angry, or you took a step back, you created space and that didn't help, whatever you did, if that didn't work, then your system is going to go into fight mode. And that might look like you're asking questions like, what's going on? Why are you mad? Like you're starting to being confrontational about it. Or you might be defensive. They tell you what's going on, but you're like, yeah, well, I didn't mean to, or, well, you know, this is a trigger for me. You're feeling irritation, anger, even potentially rage at this state. If fighting about it doesn't work, 
meaning the person is still angry and you still feel like you're not totally safe, you're going to start to lose your drive to fix it. You're going to start to shut down and kind of wait for the storm to pass. You might be physically there, but you might not listen anymore, for example. Here it's a like sweep under the rug kind of attitude. It's a pretend that we're good technique. This is a really simple example, but it's the exact same process for like a more traumatic event, let's say. So let's say you see someone approaching you really late at night. They look very aggressive and they're coming to attack you. You're probably going to start by like smiling at them, being calm and gentle, asking what they want and offering that to them. Like, here, take my wallet, you know, with a big smile on your face. That's your attempt to connect, to stay safe. Because if they take your wallet and they leave, you're good to go. But if that doesn't work, you'll probably try to run away next. If that doesn't work, meaning they catch you, (laughs) then you're going to be kicking and screaming, trying to get away. And if that doesn't work, meaning they pin you down to the floor or to the ground, because they're a lot stronger than you, there's a point where you're going to stop kicking and screaming and you're going to stop fighting and you're going to become a bit more like a ragdoll. You're going to become more numb to what's going on. Your system goes into shutdown as a way, not only for you not to feel pain, but to help you dissociate from that moment. And this is oftentimes where like, we don't have memory of what happened. It was in a very dorsal state. So here you have the path from ventral to dorsal. That is for one particular event. But we go back and forth all the time between the states. We go to sympathetic, then back into ventral, back to sympathetic, maybe into dorsal, back into sympathetic, back into ventral. We go back and forth. Over time, something else can happen. Through chronic activation of your sympathetic response, your body will change its technique because your body cannot withstand sympathetic activation for very long. It's designed for a short burst of survival energy. I mean, like a big change to get you out of danger. But if you're having high adrenaline and cortisol and chronic tension and everything that that creates in a nutshell, you know, it becomes dangerous for your health. If you have that on a regular base, your body in all its intelligence will use dorsal shutdown to modulate your sympathetic activation. So your body and your system can rest. And that might look like a lack of motivation. It might look like lethargy. It might look like depression. That long-term time into that dorsal shutdown. And once you're in dorsal shutdown, as I said before, you have to go through your sympathetic activation on the ladder before you can get to ventral again. But when we're chronically activated, meaning we're unable to go back often enough or easily enough into ventral, It can be really scary and difficult to move to sympathetic. So we might feel stuck in dorsal because sympathetic looks dangerous and very vulnerable to our system. So we have to really move slowly and gently at that point. On the other side of overtime, we can also influence our nervous system to be able to go back into ventral more easily and more quickly. The nervous system is able to adapt so we can survive, it can go over time, change our baseline of each state. But it goes both ways, which is the good news. That means we can also reteach our nervous system how to create a baseline that's more ventral vagal. The first step to befriending your nervous system is to support it, is to understand how it works, which you're doing right now. You're learning about it. 
And then as you become able to observe your different responses, you'll become able to choose the right next action to take to shift as you need. And that will include some work on understanding what makes you feel safe based on your perception of the world, your history, your past trauma, your stressors in life, hence the importance of episode 17 when again. But generally speaking, the key to be in relationship with your nervous system is to stay connected within, to be mindful. And when we're ready to take action, to move slowly in small amounts with small releases so it feels safe because you don't want to go to a place where you're not feeling safe. What we're trying to go is to back into ventral where you feel safe. You can also do daily things to support yourself into ventral or to widen what we call your window of tolerance. To nurture your system in a regular way, things like yoga, meditation, breath work, mindfulness practices, and journaling or something else that helps you understand your thoughts or create distance between you and your thoughts can be great tools to start to integrate into your routine. Then depending on which state you find yourself in, different actions can help you move up or down the ladder. So I will do a full episode on these practices, but I'll give you an example or two for now. If you're in your freeze response, think that you're frozen in place. So anything that would help you kind of slowly melt, a warm cup of tea, slow movements, even a gentle reconnection to your senses, since it's a state where we tend to disconnect, or all things that are going to help you move out of dorsal vagal. If you're in sympathetic activation, things that are a bit more active, like dancing, shaking, or self-massage, can help you move up the ladder towards ventral. And if you're really close to ventral or into ventral and you want to stabilize yourself there, self-care practices are going to be supportive. And anything that helps you feel connected to yourself or others. So that could be prayer. That could be talking to your plants and taking care of them. That could be cuddling a pet or hugging someone you love. Those are all tools that will help you in your nervous system. So for now, I invite you to take a little bit of time to develop your awareness, to learn to name what is happening in your body from a neutral place while cultivating compassion and love for yourself within that response. Then we'll work on taking actions. And we can do this together. If you feel like you need help, reach out. Or you can stay tuned for our next or my next solo episode. And we'll go over more tools and practices to support your nervous system. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen. Come and connect with me on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast and share one of your takeaways on your nervous system. Become a premium member, get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library, and you'll find a link to do that in the show notes. You can also check the show notes or go onto my website. If you'd like to tell me what you struggle with, or if you have questions around your nervous system, send them to me there or in my DMs and I'll create some episodes just for you. Now, before we go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening in. Until next time.